Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Hello, I'm Fraser Allen. Welcome to episode 39. I'm recording this very early in the morning before the clamour of a small child and a small dog make it almost impossible. But you may well hear a wood pigeon on top of the chimney who seems to want to join in the action. It's all part of the new working environment and very appropriate as I welcome you to a new format that reflects the strange world we're all now living in. In this episode, and in each of those over the coming weeks, we will be interviewing a variety of people connected to the Scottish business world to discover how the coronavirus crisis has affected them, how they are managing the situation, and what they have learned from their experiences so far. And this one is a truly international episode, with three excellent contributors. We begin by talking to Tom Simpson, who is Managing Director for China Operations and China Chief Representative at the China British Council, which is not easy to say at this time of day. Tom is based in Beijing and tells us what it's been like living through the crisis there as the world's biggest population starts to emerge on the other side. After that, we head off to Thailand, where Becky Woodhouse, CEO of the Edinburgh-based Pure Spa and Beauty Chain, got stranded on her way back from Australia, and from where she is now fighting to protect her 200 employees and keep the business going. And finally, we speak to the wonderfully talented Scottish singer and musician Ainsley Hamill about how she is coping with the fact that she can no longer perform live, meaning that her income has completely dried up. She also discusses the Association of Exiled Scots, which she co-founded with fellow musician Anna MacDonald. And, as a special bonus, we will close the podcast with a song from Ainsley. Many thanks to Christine Essen, co-founder of the Scottish Business Network, for her help and expertise in pulling all of this together, and to Scott Dalgleish for spreading the word each fortnight. So, first of all, let's head to Beijing. The great Chinese firewall blocked our attempts to use podcasting technology, so instead... Tom and I spoke via a good old-fashioned phone call. Hi, Tom. Hi, Fraser. Good to speak to you um, uh, over in, in China and be really interesting to get your perspective on, on these strange times that we're going through at the moment. I wonder, Tom, if you could start by just explaining uh, a bit about your role out there, what you're doing. I'm the Managing Director of the China Building Business Council's operations here in China. So I'm responsible for our network of 13 offices here um, and around about 140 staff um, here on the ground. Um, CBC, we're, we're a non-government organization, um, member-led um, and non-profit. So we um, provide a range of, of services for British companies, including uh, market research, uh, market, market incubation. Uh, so I said earlier on, we have uh, 140 staff. 65 of those staff are actually employed by us that work on behalf of UK companies. Um, so that includes a number from Scotland. So we've got representatives, a representative from uh, Walker's Shortbread based in our Shanghai office. Um, we have uh, representatives from universities across Scotland as well, so Dundee, Aberdeen, uh, Glasgow, Napier, Stirling, uh, all based out of our offices. Have you been uh, over there since the beginning of the year, living there through the, the coronavirus crisis? Uh, I was 
was in Beijing on the 23rd of January when, when Wuhan was initially um, put into lockdown. Um, and that was that's the, the, the evening when um, Chinese New Year also started. So right. that evening I flew down to Guangzhou uh, to get with my wife to do, uh, spend uh, Chinese New Year uh, with her with her parents um, near Guangzhou. Right. And, uh, and at that point, it was clear that, you know, things were, were getting quite serious. Um, so in the airport, on the plane, everyone was masked up and, and there was certainly a very sort of very tense moment. Um, and then obviously Chinese New Year, once it, it, it began, everyone was at home. Uh, so Chinese New Year, it's very similar to Christmas. People all go mm. back to their, to their homes and see their families. And everyone sort of, Locked at this time, locked in at their homes, so they weren't even going out to local restaurants for family meals. They weren't um, out on the streets or anything like this. Um, and people were still going out to do the odd shop here and there. Um, but when when people do lockdown in China, they really do lockdown, and it's not like in the UK where. Um, you know, people are allowed to go out and walk the dog or um, or go for a jog mm. or whatever it might be. Um, here in China, it's been pretty strict, and um, especially for those that have been returning to the country uh, from overseas or um, even just moving from one city in China to another city. So um, a wife of a colleague um, has just gone on a business trip from Beijing to Shanghai. She's uh, coming back to Beijing and has to do another two-week quarantine when she gets back to Beijing. Uh, that's just just this week. Um, so it's we're still in a very sort of strict lockdown mm. situation um, in, in, in when it comes to sort of travel and moving moving around. But if you're in your city of work, um, there's there's a lot of well, the restrictions have have more or less been removed. So um, we are we're able to you know go to and from the office. The office our office is reopened. Um, we opened actually on the 2nd of March, um, and uh, but we've been operating a sort of rotor system hmm. um, since then um, in for, for all of our sort of all of our offices across China, uh, apart from Wuhan, which is, is still closed. Uh, we have an office in Wuhan as well. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's about ten. It's ten weeks on Thursday this week um, since the beginning of the right. um, since that date, the twenty third of January, um, when Wuhan went into lockdown and Chinese New Year began. Um, it was a, it was about week five when people started to reemerge from isolation and started to go out a bit more. Hmm. Um, but still, you know, the streets were very very quiet. Um, bars and restaurants very very quiet, but. But, you know, if you wanted to go out and spend, you know, the evening hours or whatever, then you could do that. Right. Um, and then in the last couple of weeks, that started to really pick up. Um, and, you know, restaurants, you, you know, you walk past a restaurant in the evening and, and you'll see, you know, more tables are full than, than, than some they were at sort of week five and six. So about a third full or a half full. I mean, what was, what was it like spending that amount of time sort of cooped up? at home trying to keep sort of business interests going etc uh what did they feel like and was it, it did it feel like quite a relief now that things are returning to normal yeah i mean it was it was pretty that, that first week was pretty intense i think that that week was probably similar to what the uk has been through last week um when there was a lot of um you know panic and concern and mm. or maybe even the week before last week but uh, there was a lot of panic and concern amongst during the news and, and sort of inconsistent messages coming out from government and everything everyone was still trying to kind of figure out what 
isolation really meant and, and all those kind of stuff. So very similar in, in China um, that first and second week. Um, but you know, in terms of the, the isolation, I think because everyone else is doing it, you kind of just get into your groove and and, and just get on with it, really. Um, and um, and it was. Uh, but it was certainly nice to be able to, as the, as the weather here has started to sort of you know, warm up and, and we've yeah. had sort of clear blue sky days, um, it has been really nice to be able to get back out and go to parks. And I mean, I was at Chaiyan Park in Beijing on Sunday, um, which is one of the, the bigger parks here, and, and I've never seen it so busy. Um, it wasn't crowded, but, but, you know, there was a lot of people who were clearly um, taking the opportunity to sort of get their weekend exercise and, mm. uh, and be back out, outdoors, but, but still wearing masks because masks here are, are, are big everyone wears a mask so even even in office buildings when people are sat at their desks working um, people are wearing masks um, so um, yeah I wouldn't advise going outside with, without one more because people would um, would perhaps sort of pull you off about it um, than, than, than the actual sort of present you know the risk at the moment but um, yeah. And so from, from your perspective, Tom, how do you see, how do you sort of analyse the implications for British-Chinese trade relations? Uh, and I see that, you know, there's been some slightly controversial remarks from people like Michael Gove saying we need need to reassess our relationship with China as a result of the crisis. What's, what's your take on all that? I mean, we certainly see China as being um, a key driver in, in, the, in the global economic recovery over the course of the coming months um, as markets in, in Europe, North America and other, other regions have gone into, into shutdown. China is, is, is in recovery mode. Um, I think we're, we're, China's economic activity was back at around about 75% last Friday. Um, it's now sort of edging up towards 80%. So um, China really, the Chinese economy already is a major driver for, for global growth. And I think in, in the coming months and through the summer will, will certainly be a key part of the recovery story. Um, if you look at exports to China um, throughout the um, crisis, um, they've remained between around about 75 and 80, 75 to 90 percent of normal activity. So relatively, relatively robust throughout the, the crisis. Um, but but still, there, there has been a drop, and the UK has experienced it's around about six percent drop in its exports to China during this period. But some other countries have actually seen um, an increase in their exports right. to China uh, during this period. So. We're uh, yeah we, we we certainly see China as being part of uh, you know, the 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 answer actually to, mm. to um, the rest of the world trying to recover from what it's going through. Um, from your own perspective mm. as well, any sort of lessons that you've you've learned over the, the these strange few weeks? Well, yeah, a lot a lot of lessons. Um, I suppose where to start. The um, I suppose the big ones are. Um, Making sure that um, you, 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 the company you work for and, 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 and manage is, is in a position to, to adapt as quickly as possible to, to these sort of, to these sort of, these circumstances. Um, I mean, for us, um, we've had to switch everything that we that we do essentially to, to digital in a very very short space of time. Um, as an organisation, we, we do a, a lot of in-person 
activity, events, trade missions, um, a lot of the services we provide rely on people traveling to China um, for market visits and, and these sorts of things. Um, we've had to switch that entirely over to digital. So I think a, a big sort of lesson learned is, is that sort of nimbleness that organizations need to be able to to adapt their services and, and be able to continue operating as, as, as well as possible, um, but, but digitally. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the big one. Well, Tom, thanks very much. It's been brilliant to get a bit of an insight into what's what's going on from, from your side of things in China and wishing you all the best as uh, as China leads the way in, in the recovery of, of the world's health and economy. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now we're off to Thailand to speak to Becky Woodhouse of Pure Spa and Beauty. Hello, Becky. Now, you find yourself in strange circumstances as we speak this morning, um, you're in Thailand, and you're probably going to be there for quite some time. So, first of all, ex- could you explain how that came about? Yeah, I am, Fraser. Yeah. Um, well, I was on a trip to Australia, and um, we had a stopover in Thailand on the way back. We got to Thailand, and our flights got cancelled. So we've been stuck here ever since. Um, so we're not due back. Um, we managed to get on a flight back to the UK at the end of April. So we're going to be right. here for quite some time yet. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's nice. Is, is the, the weather nice? nice. The weather's <laughs> We're in quite a remote part of, um, we're not in one of the cities. We're in a quiet resort. There's hardly anyone here. So um, in that sense, it's it's been quite good. And actually, it's interesting because we were seven hours ahead of the UK um, as this was going on. So actually, um, I feel in some ways that's been a little bit of an advantage because we've been able to react pretty quickly to events as they've come up because we've just known about them sort of seven hours before people in the UK have woken up. So actually, you know, that, that has benefited us, I think. You've got to look for the positives, haven't you, yeah. in these situations? Yeah. I mean, is it is it does it feel a bit strange being so far away from your business, or it, because I mean, I guess obviously all the spas are shut down anyway. So, um, is it just as easy to manage things from there in some ways? Yeah, I mean, I think you know having the internet, um, Zoom has been an absolute you know godsend. We've got a really great team back in the UK so we knew they were um, more than capable and you know we've been in touch with them on a daily basis having daily zoom calls and um, I mean it's it's been stressful because we've not been there and we felt you know we wanted to be there to help everyone but in some ways it's been quite good being slightly removed because because we're not in the sort of thick of it we can sort of take a little bit of a step back and then look at you know, how do we handle this? How, you know, what's going to come up tomorrow? What's going to come up the next day? And and be sort of reactive um, from a distance, which I think has kind of helped a little bit um, in terms of keeping a clear head sometimes because um, it's been incredibly stressful for everybody, um, not just ourselves but and our management team, but all our staff, um, you know, clients, customers, and obviously everyone is just in the same boat. So, um, you know, it's just just been a bit of a nightmare, really. 
strange times. Very strange times indeed. Um, I wonder if you could just explain a little bit about um, Pure Spa, how the idea came about and how you've built the business up. So um, I started the business um, almost 18 years ago now, actually. The idea behind Pure is um, we we provide amazing customer service, but it's accessible spa and beauty services. So um, we do a full range of spa and beauty. So we have some spa facilities as well in most of our locations. Um, and in the last sort of, I would say, three, four years, we've been looking to really expand the business. And last year that really took off because we, um, we actually opened seven new locations. Um, so that's happened in the last 12 months. And we also have, in the last few years, expanded into products as well. So we have our own product range. Um, you know, and the business has grown from, you know, a single salon um, in Edinburgh, which employed about six staff to over 200 staff. And we've now got 15 locations around the UK. So um, it's been very exciting and, uh, you know, an up, up and down journey. Um, and, you know, I guess at the minute we're unfortunately back on a down. But, you know, I think sometimes, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, things happen, you just have to deal with them as they come up. And So, I mean, how do you, uh, obviously, completely kind of shut down of, of the sites. How, how are you managing your way through the situation at the moment? And is that in a state of constant flux? Are you having to change change your plans on an almost daily basis? Or have you now got a fixed, right, this is the way we're going to get through this kind of approach? Yeah, well, I think when we initially, you know, so last the week before the shutdown was, you know, you could see the way things were going. Um, we were literally every day getting hundreds of cancellations, um, people not wanting to go out. As as the you know, as the sort of lockdown, that few days, um, if you think between the sort of um, between the Monday from the Monday the sixteenth of March till the Friday when the uh, when Boris announced the the shutdown that week. Um, was just you know you couldn't predict what was going to happen from one day to the next and um, so we were just taking it one day as it come I mean even up until probably the Thursday we didn't think that we would um, be in the situation of having to close on the Friday so um, right up until the last um, we thought maybe we'd be able to keep doing certain treatments and not others um, and obviously we'd already been practicing the whole social distancing ramping up all the hygiene um, processes and um, you know we were very quick to react to all of that but um, it was the dawning realization on the Friday I, I mean and also we're seven hours ahead so we we got that announcement at midnight basically it was midnight here um, so we, we were exhausted staying up to listen and then um and then they said oh no you've got to shut and we were like oh, oh <laughs> no we've got to close <laughs> so then we had to get on the zoom to our managers and go no we're gonna have to close so they all had to go in the following morning and and just literally close and it was a case of um, you know, put all the stock away, turn everything off, and just literally lock the doors. Um, 
you know, it was that kind of quick. And we, we actually, ironically, were quite busy on the Saturday and Sunday because it was Mother's Day, um, which is usually a really busy time for us. So, And I think, you know, a lot of people hadn't wanted to cancel anything because they were hopeful that we would be able to still do their their, their treatments. Um, but unfortunately, we, you know, we, we just couldn't. So, um, you know, we had quite a lot of work actually just to sort of contact all our clients who were booked in, etc. I mean, they were all really understanding. And, you know, we did we did things like we we extended all our gift vouchers for um, 24 months. Um, they're normally 12 months so that people had confidence that, you know, they could still come and have their experience with us. So um, we did react quite quickly to things like that. And then we spent the weekend just trying to work out how we manage as a business with going from um, our before we um, hit the crisis our projected revenue for that week was just over a hundred thousand and it went from that to zero in a day so that that was quite stressful um you know our bank we've been really supportive so far actually I can't fault them they were you know given us really good reassurance um they've extended some of our facilities so that we could make our payroll at the end of march which is today actually um so um because we wanted to be able to commit to everyone that they would still get their pay at the end of march as normal um even with the um you know with we we should be able to apply for the the job retention grant for all of our employees but we wanted to we wanted to have that apply from April because we felt, you know, it would be, a, you know, a really nice support for our staff if they knew they were going to get their salary at the end of March because it was only a week before, you know, you can't plan for suddenly losing 20% of your pay. And so, and thankfully our bank were really supportive of that approach. So, you know, they, they were able to help us support that which was, you know, has been helpful. And I think our staff have been great. You know, they've all been, they've all worked as a team. You know, they, they've been so understanding. Um, there's certain things that you have to do with um, to get the job retention grant with your team. You have to, uh, you know, they have to agree in writing to be furloughed, to, to um, apply for the grant. So there's a bit of a process to go through with that. And it can be quite complex as well. And when you know you've got everyone sort of worried about what's happening they're even more worried that you're suddenly having to write them all these letters and say can you sign here to be able to get your grant you know so it's it's quite a difficult process to actually go through so we've spent most of last week doing that um because my number one focus was to get our teams safe and secure and happy with what we were doing and then um you know, we we have applied for all of our grants that I think we're entitled to. Um, we had, you know, the um, business rate grants um, that are available. We yet to um, there's a bit of a um, question mark in Scotland as to how they're applying those grants, um, and we're in England they're applying them per property, and in Scotland they've said per rate payer but they haven't specified whether a rate payer is in one council or all councils 
so it's actually quite complex so um but it's quite it's worth quite a bit of money to us because we have five locations in Scotland that would apply for the grant so potentially 125,000 um so we're we're sort of battling our exactly yeah exactly because that could be that could be really critical for us and and then we're working with our bank to come up with our business plan so this week is all about the business plan and the projections to apply for our business support loan um which we think we'll need and then really for the in terms of the business what we've had to do is just do a complete shutdown so and how we've done that is literally gone through every cost item and just worked out how what is the minimum we can get away with um you know so we've cancelled you know even down to things like email addresses for example because all of our employees are going to be furloughed they're not allowed to do any work so they don't need an email address so and and we were spending you know nearly a thousand pound a month on office 365 licenses so we've managed to reduce that down to about 80 quid so you know it's just things like that that you don't sort of really think about the sort of hidden costs in the way um that you can actually really sort of minimize and you know we've asked people like our web server host people you know is there anything that we can minimize there you know lower bandwidth because we think we'll have less traffic etc that kind of thing um just to minimize those costs as much as possible for our business we're still going to be it's still going to be about 10,000 a month just to you know actually mothball everything um which is you know as low as we can get it down to but hopefully with having the business support loan you know that'll give us some funding to sort of get through that clear down all our suppliers who are obviously owed um you know normal sort of trading credit terms and things um and then and then we'll be ready to start back up again when we and, are and hopefully to. everyone will come you know yeah. rushing out to get some spa treatments because we're all be in such a terrible state yes i know i, I think we'll up indoors for so long yeah i know yeah i think i think we'll bounce back quite quick actually yeah i think yes. people will be desperate to have their nails done and just mm. have a bit of you know kind of i suppose social time that's um, right and and a bit of interaction there's gonna be long queues outside the hairdressers as well i should imagine yeah <laughs> yeah definitely so so becky i mean in terms of what you've you've gone through in the past few weeks are, are there any sort of things that you you feel that you've learned that you know in some ways are, are beneficial yeah i mean it's obviously a big roller coaster um i think the one thing i've i've kind of learned is just to sort of i think you can't really pretend that it's not happening so you have to kind of allow yourself some emotional reaction because I think if you don't it sort of builds up um so you know there have been literally times where I've been you know thinking this is the worst it's all going to be over (laughs) (laughs) which is so negative but sometimes I think you have to just let the feelings out so that you Mm. can then just go okay I've had that moment (laughs) of you know Mm. panic and now let's just get back to work and keep going um 
sometimes it's just that keep going thing and I think just trying to be kind of take each moment as it happens and react to what's coming up as much as you can and not sort of worry too much about you know just just sort of be in the moment a little bit I think helps um and sort of really concentrating on what what's coming up and how you're going to react to that because it's quite overwhelming I mean when I look back on it you know I mean we've essentially shut down a business with 15 locations in and 200 people in the matter of 24 hours and um you know that like when you think about the amount of work that's had to go in it blows your mind but if you can just focus on you know bit at a time it's a bit more manageable so and I think that communication piece as well is absolutely key you know with everyone in the business and keeping everyone informed as much as possible and you know then they feel safer that they know you're on it and you're dealing with it and things are happening really uh, great great advice Becky and uh Wishing you all the best and we'll keep in touch and, and see how, how you get on in the weeks to come. Thanks very much for your time. Yeah, great. Thanks, Fraser. And now let's visit a Scot exiled in London, Ainsley Hamill. Hi, Ainsley. Good to hear from you. How are you doing? Yes, I am very, very well. Currently still locked down like everyone else in the world. <laughs> but wait, wait, Where are you locked down, Ainsley? Are you, where are you based now? So... I am in Chiswick at the moment, right. um, which is where um, myself and my partner uh, live, uh, obviously in London. Mm. But everybody was uh, wanting us to come up the road, um, I feel, <laughs> to Scotland before it, it locked down. But, well, that's certainly, it's certainly too late for that now. <laughs> so we're here in Chiswick. It's very nice. So I'm, I'm interested, first of all, to to know how this impacts you, because there's been a lot of coverage in the press about the sort of freelance people and how they're not really get, getting some support now. But how how is it affecting you as a, as a musician? Well, I've got to say, um, pretty bad. I, I know I sound quite positive, but <laughs> um, I, it's been pretty bad. I feel, right. um, so all my work has been cancelled. Oh. Um for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. I have a few um, things in August that haven't been cancelled, such as um, the thing I'm thinking of in particular is a, a folk festival called Tuner. Um, it's a massive folk festival, and I just got an email about it saying, well, we don't know if it's cancelled or we don't know if it's going ahead. It's going ahead at the moment, but you know, it's all very unclear. So that is... That's the next thing I have on, which is right. incredible. Um, I was actually in the middle of um, a, a German tour. It was actually uh, Germany, Switzerland um, and Austria. And um, it was so unfortunate um, that it was cancelled. Uh, but we went with the coronavirus uh, kind of on the verge exploding and then obviously when we were there it it did and uh, we had to come back and that's the last time I did any real work <laughs> don't get me wrong the association of excelled Scots is uh, definitely keeping myself and Anna uh, busy 
um, it's things aren't looking great for musicians. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I, I mean, this the government assistance that has been announced. Is, is are you able to qualify for that? Yeah, I do qualify for that. Um, but unfortunately, we can only access that in June. Um, mm. And don't get me wrong, I'm probably in a slightly better position um, than a lot of folk that I know, um, and like, for no particular reason other than. I'm supported also by my partner, but I know a lot of people mm. are not. And, yeah. you know, they're living on their own and they live off, you know, their, um, like, musicians' income. Like, that's that's the only thing they, they live off of. And that's what I would usually be doing also. And I find it very hard to um, even just lean on somebody, you know, for... Um, you know, for that sort of uh, financial stability. So it's a very, it's a very difficult time. Um, probably whether you're in a really bad situation or not, everyone's sort of fighting their own battles, um, you know, for want of a, a, a better word. But hopefully um, come June, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see some sort of... Uh, Fingers crossed. For yeah. All. yeah, absolutely. There's there's awesome schemes um, that have been put out... Um, from people like Creative Scotland, um, the Musicians Union, PRS, um, they've all done a sort of bridge the gap fund, right? Um, for folk that 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 have the will and want to apply, uh, so that's great. There is help out there, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's hope that you get out on stage before too long and can resume your career because you're an extremely talented musician. For for those listening, Aisley, could you just tell us a bit about you know how, your career to date? Oh well, thanks, Fraser. <laughs> but um, I've always been a musician. Um, I started off my career as a singer. Um, well, even before I graduated from the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland in Glasgow. So there I did like the BA in Scottish music and it was traditional music, Scottish traditional music and and Gaelic song was my principal study. And from there, um, bands were formed such as Barlua and we toured and uh, recorded for a long time. And I just continued on and I perform now with bands uh, like fourth moon and the unusual suspects and i do a lot of uh, my own solo stuff uh, as well just basically working as a touring and recording musician which is great um and also recently i've, I've started to I, I say recently because it's in the past couple of years um that i've started to step dance and right. um yeah. Step dancing is amazing. It's actually a tradition that totally died out in Scotland, right. and um, it was actually brought back to Scotland via Canada, and um, it's amazing. Um, it keeps you fit. It's really mm-hmm. fun, and uh, I do it now as part of um, like touring and, and performing. Step dancing is a great way to involve yourself in tune sets you know where as a singer would you would generally just go off the stage and that be it you would wait for everyone to have a great time doing their tune sets you know but um being a a step dancer you get to be part of that you know and it's it's quite amazing so it's best of both worlds um you know being a singer and I would say uh, being a step dancer 
And now the wider world listening to this can join in with this art because the other part of your career that we haven't mentioned is you're a co-director of the Association of Exiled Scots, which we'll come on to uh, and discuss that a little bit more shortly. But as part of that, you are providing online step dancing classes. Is that right? Yes, that is right. As part of our Association of Exiled Scots quarantined series that we're (laughs) providing at the moment. We're doing a weekly step dancing class on a Sunday at noon and it's for 40 minutes um, every single Sunday and basically you don't you don't need to be a dancer, you don't need to be fit, you don't need to be anything and you can do it. Um, It's a right laugh, let me tell you. I think a lot of people were quite scared to take part because they say, oh, oh, I've never step danced in my life, I couldn't possibly do that, you know, and then Mm. they end up doing it and they love it because it's something different in these sort of weird times, you know, and it's a great distraction as well. And I tell you, it's the part of my week that I actually really look forward to, weirdly. Um, it's just so great to kind of have that um, socialising aspect of life. So how, 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 how does it work? How does it work, Ainsley? Do, uh, oh. is, can, you, can you see everybody at home, sort of? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's quite funny, actually, because... Um, well, see, this is the thing. It's all these technological things that you just have to get used to. You know, mm. never in a million years would I suggest, you know, to Anna, oh, let's do all these things online. There's nothing that scares me more <laughs> than doing lots of technical things at the one time. But um, so this sort of quarantine lockdown has been very good to sort of push us in a direction of be have having more of an online presence and doing things like that and also the thing is it's accessible to everyone around the world we do it via zoom so basically we send you the link and you you click on the link and you view it you don't need anything Mm. to make it happen or work so it's quite incredible and you know actually my mum did it yesterday and absolutely loved it and she would never in a million years do something like that And uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's great fun. You can see everybody else, but generally you just see their heads sort of bobbing up. <laughs> um, but I generally point it obviously at my feet. Um, yeah. But yeah, we have like little breaks. We have like a little chat. We see who's where in the world, what they've been doing. And um, yeah, we just basically build. Oh, that sounds, sounds brilliant. So, yeah. you know, if you're listening to this, why not join in next Sunday? How, how do people do that, Ainsley? Just go to your website to find the link. Absolutely. So that's the association of exiledscots.com. And we'll have a little chat with you over email and uh, we'll send you a link it's it's only eight pounds to take part which is really great as well because exercise classes in London are so expensive so to get that for eight pounds is actually really good so and it's helping us that's like our basically only source of income um, at the moment as well so it would be it's really helpful to us if people take part Brilliant. Tell us about the association because you founded it together with uh, Anna McDonald, who's a fellow musician. Um, So tell us why you did it and what 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 you're achieving with the association. Well, basically, um, when I moved to London, I was kind of at a loose end, uh, obviously not having many 
connections down here, you know. Um, and it was kind of out of the blue that it was actually my partner that Googled Scottish singers in London and Anna pops up and I said, there's no way I'm emailing her. That's the most stalkerish <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> there's no chance it's happening. And then I think I had a particularly bad day. I thought, oh gosh, what am I going to do for any sort of kind of work at the moment? And I just emailed her and she got back. She said, yeah, no bother, I'll meet you. I was like, oh, that was quite easy, you know. And then I met up with her and we had this fantastic chat about um, Scottish music and culture and, you know, different ways that we could maybe make it happen in London. And I, honest to goodness, I felt like I'd known her for for ages, like a really long time. Right. It was weird. And uh, basically at the end of the conversation, she was like, um, so how do I know you? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, you don't. And she was like, oh, well, how do I know your boyfriend then? <laughs> <laughs> you don't. I just emailed you out the blue and she was like oh and I was like well I'm glad we had our nice conversation before we established that so you don't think I'm a total weirdo <laughs> but um, yeah so that's how Anna and I got together and then basically we just had the same ideas about um, mm. creating this sort of real culture uh, within London and now we're sort of trying to push it globally but it was about um creating a, a, a home for exiled Scots where they can access the real tradition and, and, and the real culture rather than a sort of shortbread tin culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a sort of distance makes a heart grow fonder type of missing mm. home. We, we didn't want to make it like that. We wanted to make it the real thing, you mm-hmm. know, um, like exactly how it would be if you were at home. So that's like, bringing to the forefront um, our our indigenous languages as, as a country, you know, so Scots um, and Gaelic and obviously English and doing different classes and, and nurturing that culture, nurturing uh, Scottish businesses, Scottish um, heritage and culture in general. And um, we actually, we've started a, a music school because there's no better way um, to, to nurture than to obviously teach. And um, yeah, we're teaching lots of traditional instruments and we've actually just brought that online, um, which is quite exciting. Um, so people who are doing their license can still access it. And then also that's another way to take things global that we never thought of mm. before. Yeah, You know, um, so actually in a way this horrible virus has nearly done some good in that it opens your mind to being Mm. more creative and you've got to think about how you're going to combat it and get over it um so kind of it's opened a lot of people's minds and made them more creative so is there anything else that you're doing online to sort of reach out to the, the the business community yes absolutely so we are doing our quarantined video series uh, with the association of exiled scots and uh, we've just done a video with harris gin um how to make uh, a quarantini <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with the wonderful rachel mcdonald from 
Harris Gin. And yeah. we've got lots of wonderful things in the pipeline. Um, lots of people from uh, Scottish Business Network as well, such as uh, Essence of Harris. They're going to be doing a little okay. video for us uh, as well. And wonderful things like magicians and things oh, wow. you wouldn't expect. Yeah. yeah, so it's really exciting. So people should uh, have an eye out for that on our uh, social media facebook um, and instagram and twitter so that's very exciting for all exiled scots wherever you may be you're probably if you're feeling even more exiled now would be a great uh, time to get in touch with ainsley and anna and thanks so much for telling us about that ainsley and, and we really wish you all the best with the association and we'll keep in touch and see what else you're up to with the, the classes over the weeks to come oh, thank fabulous. you so much thank you so, strange days, but three great contributors will be back again in two weeks' time. But in the meantime, from her last EP, here is Bell of the Ball by Ainsley Hamill.
To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.